0: This episode is brought to you by Dropbox. Start your free trial with this amazing service by following the Dropbox link at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, Countdown, The Young Turks, The Daily Show, Harm.org, and Slate Magazine.
1: Your second quote. The federal government competes with the private sector the way an alligator competes with a duck. It consumes it. That was Indiana Congressman Mike Pence getting all zoological as he criticized a government initiative to compete with the private sector on what major issue? Health care. Yes, indeed. Health care. Very good. This is the week we've all been waiting for. The rollout of healthcare care reform legislation, the 1,000-page bill, is incredibly complicated. For example, under the plan, if you say need your tonsils out, it will be subsidized by the government, but it will be done by Lockheed Martin using Dremel tools left over from the Stealth Bomber Project. <laughs> For efficiency's sake. President Obama appeared at an event at the White House to roll out the legislation. He was surrounded there by nurses... He did this thing after talking to some of them privately in the Oval Office. He admitted that he, quote, has a bias toward nurses, and he talked about how intimately nurses know the issues. One more reason why Obama can do this and Bill Clinton couldn't. (laughs) Conservatives, of course, Republicans, were decrying the plan. They say that if this passes, our current healthcare system will be destroyed. Of course our current healthcare system for most people is watching gray's anatomy while applying head on to their tumor.
2: Wait a minute that doesn't work. No, doesn't.
1: <laughs> what is head on? Head on, is that, you don't know, because you don't watch enough TV. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. Head on, apply directly to the forehead. <laughs> it's this homeopathic nonsense oh. that people have been buying by the millions it's, in the hope that it will help oil, them. It's oil, but yeah. in kind
3: of a gel form. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, what if they were able to contribute to our show, though? Wouldn't we give it
4: another
1: thought? I mean, you mean if they were to sponsor us? Yeah. I mean, Head on? Sort of I'd response. rub it on anything. Sure. Then. <laughs>
5: We'd say nice things about cholera if this sponsors yeah, I know. the show.
3: Yeah. I mean. <laughs>
6: of Al Franken from Minnesota. Senate Democrats have gained a colleague and lost an excuse. Our number three story tonight, with Republicans threatening to block a vote on fixing health care, the Democrats now have the numbers 60 votes to steamroll up uh, past Republican filibuster, possible Republican filibuster, but do they have the will? With Franken arriving in Washington next week, Democrats in the Senate now have enough votes on paper to prevent Republicans from blocking any vote they want with a filibuster. It takes 60 votes to end filibusters with a process known as cloture, essentially closing down debate and moving on to the vote. Democrats have more than 50 votes for health care reform, but the big question has always been, can they get enough votes to stop Republicans from filibustering? The issue, not just political, but intensely personal for millions of Americans, as President Obama witnessed at his town hall on health care today.
3: Basically, because of the damage that the radiation did in things, I'm no longer able to work, and I have no health insurance. Now I have a new tumor. I have no way to pay for it. The doctors will not see you without paying $100 or $150 to get into their office. I can um, get checked into a hospital, and under their engineer program, they will run tests and release me, but that costs a lot of money.
6: While Mr. Obama promised to address her individual situation, it remains less clear how far he will go on the national stage. One of the two independent senators caucusing with the 58 Democrats is now demanding the party close ranks to block a filibuster. We will talk with him in a moment. The other independent senator caucusing with the Democrats won his primary in 2006, saying, quote, I can do more for you and your families to get something done to make health care affordable to get universal health insurance. He then went on to win the general election, saying, I have long supported the goal of universal health care. But now Joe Lieberman has joined a handful of Democrats who have cold feet about allowing a public option, raising the question, will Lieberman and other Democrats who oppose it still allow the senators who support it to have an up or down vote on something that most Americans already support? Joining us now, as promised, the independent senator who supports a public option and universal health care for that matter, Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Senator Sanders, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. If we stipulate that Lieberman and a handful of Democrats may be a lost cause for you on health care, who has the power to at least make them help you at least end a Republican filibuster?
7: Well, this is the way I look at it. I mean, as you heard at President Obama's uh, meeting, town meeting today, we have a disastrous health care situation in this country, 46 million uninsured, more underinsured, 20,000 people dying every year because they don't get to a doctor on time, a million people going bankrupt because of medical-related bills. So I think what the last two elections were about, 2006 and 2008, was that the American people saying, we're tired of right-wing extremists we're going to trust the Democrats to move us in a very different direction including health care and in my view what the American people want and what the polls show is the American people overwhelmingly want a national health care program guaranteeing health care to all people Uh, they want to make sure that People are not going bankrupt, uh, and they want to make sure that we do it in a cost-effective way. And one of the key components of that—I happen to be a strong proponent of a single-payer system. I think that's the only way to really tackle uh, comprehensive universal health care in a cost-effective way. That's not going to happen because of the power of the insurance companies and the drug companies. But at the very least, at the very least, what we should be talking about is a strong public option to compete with the private insurance companies which will look like a Medicare-for-all program, something like Medicare, except for people of all ages, and you provide subsidies for low- and moderate-income people. My view is that it is wrong to say that it takes 60 votes in the Senate to pass a bill. It doesn't. It takes 60 votes, as you have just indicated, to end the Republican filibuster. Republicans are filibustering every other day on virtually every important issue coming down the pike. They want to do nothing. We now, with Al Franken on board, have 60 votes in the caucus. And my view is that every one of those people in the Democratic caucus should be saying to the Republicans, sorry, you are not going to prevent health care reform. We're voting for cloture. We're voting to end your filibuster. And now we're going to go forward and pass a strong health care bill, which begins to address the very serious crises facing millions of Americans. What I also think is that if some of those Democrats, for whatever reason, choose not to vote for final passage, that's their business, and I can understand that, but the key issue here is stopping the Republican filibuster, and then if we end up with 52 or 53 votes in the Senate to pass a strong bill, strong bill, with, among other things, a public option to compete with the private insurance companies, that's good enough for me.
6: In other words, Democrats vote the way you want, but at least allow an up or down vote to take place. If that fails,
7: why will it fail? Well, you know, in my own view, uh, we we should not be naive about what goes on in Washington, and that is the reason that we pay the highest prescription drug prices in the world. The reason we are the only country in the industrialized world that does not have a national health care program is largely attributable to the enormous power and money of the insurance companies uh, and the drug companies, who in the last 10 years have spent hundreds of millions of dollars in lobbying and campaign contributions. I think right now they're spending something like a million dollars a day to prevent us moving in the direction that the American people want us to move in. You know, one of the problems that I I just have a hard time uh, understanding there's a recent poll out by The New York Times that said 72 percent of the American people want a public option to compete with the private insurance companies. They want that choice of going outside of the private insurance companies. Ninety percent of Democrats wanted that option. So, to me, it seems like a kind of no-brainer for the Democratic caucus to at least say, we are going to stop the Republican filibuster. The Republicans don't want to do anything. Uh, They are not serious about health care reform. That's fine. Let's reach out to them. Let's try to bring them on board. But if they want to filibuster, we're going to say no to that filibuster and move forward and do what the American people want.
6: But on that point, on the um, the power and influence of the insurance industry and their lobbyists, at some point, if it's necessary to get a good bill passed, isn't the responsibility on you to specifically start naming names and say, he or she is
7: selling us out to big insurance? I think it's more complicated than that. I mean, I think you have conservative Democrats who are conservative Uh, in a number of issues for a number of reasons. So I'm not going to ascribe motives to those people. But all I am saying is that right now I think it is reasonable, given the fact that the Democrats have been given the responsibility for moving this country in a new direction, certainly including health care, that at the very least every Democrat should be able to say, look, the Republicans don't want to accomplish anything and we're going to end that filibuster. And at the end of the day, I may not end up voting for a strong uh, piece of health care reform legislation for reasons A, B and C, and I want to explain it to my constituents, that's fine if people do that. But I think that given the fact that we have a strong majority in the house we have a democratic president we now have sixty votes in the democratic caucus at the very least every democrat should stand up and say no to the republican filibuster and allow us to go forward and if they choose to vote against the final passage that's their right and of course you'll it would take
6: getting every democrat to do that do you think that you would get that
7: well that's what i think we should That's what I think we should have, and that's what I'm fighting for. And you know, at the end of the day, if we can rally public support for a strong health care reform piece of legislation, you may get a couple of Republicans as well. I think the American people know that there's something wrong when we are spending twice as much, almost twice as much per person on health care as any other country, and yet our health care outcomes are not nearly as good as many of our uh, uh, international competitors.
0: You're not going to want to miss what we have available at the brand new Best of the Left store. You can get all of our great designs, including some cool retro ones that no one's ever seen before, on all kinds of great Cafe Press apparel and other fun items they have available. If you prefer a Cafe Press alternative, we got you covered. Check out everything we have available at our print fiction store. Aside from all that fun stuff, we've got something really useful for you. We've just started a brand new podcast by mail service. So, say you know someone, maybe even yourself, who loves this show or would love it, but they're just not tech savvy enough to do the whole podcasting thing. They couldn't download it every week, not going to listen online. Give them a podcast by mail subscription and they'll have the CDs of every edition sent right to their house every week. All this now available at the new store at bestofleft.com.
8: This Glenn Beck clip you're going to get from his radio show starts with his usual madness and he seems a little, you know, high strung, if you will, and a little crazy in the beginning. And. It only gets worse and worse. And by the end, I don't know if those sounds he's making are human or not. So I don't want to overhype it, but I had a lot of fun watching this and listening to this. So here's uh, Glenn Beck on healthcare. Listen to his rational arguments. Hi, Kathy. Go ahead.
3: Hi, Kathy. <laughs> yeah. That's right, Glenn. I think you better pick your head up and put it back on your shoulders because it's yes. rolling all over the ground right now. Yes. We've got people out there that are really sick that do need health care. Oh, and my when goodness. when people like you... Yes. Turn around and mm-hmm. subject people to this kind of rhetoric that oh don't God. have insurance oh. because they Wait. can't afford it and they've been laid off. I know. Where do they get it? Where At do you, they get you know, it? your family let me yes. tell you something, Glenn. Yes. Obviously nobody uh-huh. in your family has had an illness that they None. couldn't no. No. My family, family has for.
5: never ever had an illness. You're right. And anybody, you you know what, Kathy? You are so right. No, no, no.
3: Oh, they couldn't pay for him.
5: Let me just tell you something. You are right. I read in the story all the time about the people who are dying on the streets because they can't go to a hospital and get health care. You're exactly right. We are letting people die left and right in this country afford anymore oh we can't they, afford anymore so you must of course be going broke. Oh, they can't afford your right so you're right and that's why the country can afford you. it the country can afford it don't worry about that going broke don't worry the only about that.
3: industrial country in this world in this that world. doesn't have health care. What the hell and is wrong And we are here? the only country in the world where leaders
5: come from every other country to get health care when they can't get the right kind of health care in their own country. We have presidents. We have prime ministers. We have speakers of the parliament in Australia that can't get the prostate treatments and have to come to this country to get it. So you're right. You're right. We should adapt all of those things. And Canada has a great health care. That's why people are suing. That's why in Canada they have a lottery. They have a lottery system. Who gets to go see a doctor this month in Canada? Go ahead. How
3: about the Netherlands? Glenn. How
5: about the Netherlands?
3: Yeah, how about France and Italy, where you just go in and sign a in paper, Fran- you're right. and the doctors you don't have to so fight with the insurance companies?
5: Tell me, Kathy, about the insurance program that they do have in France. Tell it. Tell me about it.
3: You, uh, there are people that go over there, mm-hmm. and they are on vacation. If they uh-huh. have a problem. Uh All they have to do is walk into the clinics or the hospitals and sign their name. The doctors do not have to be bothered signing insurance forms. So, in other words, words, a person...
5: Hang on, I want to make sure I understand so a non-citizen can go over to a
3: hospital
5: and walk in and get emergency treatment. That never happens here.
3: I'm asking you a logical question. And I'm giving
5: not. you a logical answer.
3: You don't have logic.
9: You're right.
3: What is your logic? What would you do? I'm asking you, what would you do to change this health care system for the better? After all, every time you people bring up costs, you don't care about the trillions of dollars to develop the banks and all the, uh, the, the credit card companies. Kathy, get off my phone! Get off my
5: phone, you little pinhead! I don't care! You people don't care about the trillions!
3: Get off my phone!
8: I'm going to lose my
5: mind today!
8: Too late. Already lost it. Man, what was that? <laughs> to say mentally unstable is an understatement. I think the only real question is high or not high. I mean, he has a substance abuse problem, right? He he certainly had one in the past. I mean, you listen to that, and you think this guy is either like literally men, needs mental health right treatment, or he's high as a kite. I'm not sure which one it is. Damn uh, <laughs> it, Jim. I'm a talk show host. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to give you a prognosis on this one. But something's wrong. I can guarantee you that. And then, you know, I'm going to bother addressing these points here. I don't know why I should. But you he, see, in the beginning, he's like he's mocking her. Oh yeah, I guess some people don't have health insurance. <laughs> Do you know that the Australians come here for the best system in the world? Okay, okay all right, okay. Uh, well, Glenn, have you ever considered that some of us here in America—50 million people—don't have health care at all? I mean, I'm thrilled about the Australian Prime Minister, right? But is your idea that we should have no plan at all since the Australian Prime Minister comes here? Well, our system is fine. Oh, it costs you too much money? I don't care. The Australian Prime Minister came. I don't. I'm. I don't have no idea if anybody from Australia has ever come here. I'm just quoting Glenn back there. Okay. And uh, and he remember one other thing when he was in the hospital, do you remember that he made a famous YouTube clip out of it?
10: It was one of the most uh, eye-opening experiences of my life um, to um, uh, um, receive healthcare in the United States. By a, uh, Saturday night, I was full-fledged suicidal. Um, And then something happened that um, turned me in a miraculous fashion. That I, uh, I mean, I am once again in awe of my wife and how she has, uh, I believe she has saved my soul twice. I was, by Saturday, come into the room with a handgun and said, Okay, we can, you know, give you some more medication or we can uh, just give you this handgun and you can go ahead and just blow your brains out. I would have honestly taken the handgun at that point.
8: He started crying and stuff. He's like, Oh my ass, my ass. He had had a- ass surgery. And he's like, I realize now how bad it is. And when we get back, I'm gonna talk about health care on the show. It's the same thing with all conservatives, man. When it touches them, they're like, Oh my god, it turns out there's a health care problem, I didn't know it. But when it's not about them, they're like, "Yeah, look, me and the Australians, we're fine. You, the rest of you, go on your merry way." But anyway, none of that matters because why am I having a conversation or a debate with this guy who's obviously of not of sound mind?
3: Go off my
4: jeez
8: Jesus, man! What was that? I don't think I Jesus. Oh, if you don't think that's going to be a consistent clip on the Young Turks, you don't know anything about this show.
11: awfully busy. Uh, the healthcare bill is, is dropping now from uh, the House and also the Senate version uh, H1N1, uh, avian flu, is preparing to kill. I assume most of us in September. Uh, how, how are things going?
2: You know, piece of cake. It's why I ran for public office. It's why I joined this administration. This is what it's all about.
11: It's very interesting. You are the governor of a, uh, we're the governor of a heartland state. You left That's in right. the middle of your term for a higher calling. Why are governors such quitters? <laughs> what, what is it about?
2: You know, <laughs> didn't want to get bored. Had to find something else to do.
11: Or are, are, are you a... Uh, uh, are are you the bureaucrat that is going to be if we do a public option are you the person that will be in charge of of our health care will you be between my doctor and i
2: well you know who's between your doctor and you right now is an insurance company deciding whether they're going to pay the benefit, whether you can actually get into the insurance plan in the first place, so hopefully we can change a few of those rules so insurance companies won't pick and choose who gets health care in this country And the
11: longer. insurance company is a benevolent free market operator, so <laughs> they're only looking out for what's best interest because the market cures Even, apparently, shingles.
2: Well, and we like the market. Choice and competition is what it's all about. So in a new marketplace, there'd be choice and competition, private plans, public plans, side-by-side, But they're not going to
11: be able to compete with with the the government, I wouldn't think.
2: I thought the government couldn't run anything. So clearly, we're no match for private companies so you're proposing
11: Game on. Uh, a crappy insurance plan
2: <laughs> well, I think this is an
11: interesting take
2: bring down this is this is the thing the that votes. I
11: thought was interesting show, show Obama's uh, statement from today this is I think the big uh, selling point that they're going with
4: if you like your doctor or health care provider you can keep them if you like your health care plan you can keep that too how do you
11: how could that be because Uh, aren't most people insured at their uh, work?
2: About 180 million Americans have coverage based on their employer uh, and they like it, a lot of them like it, and that will stay in place. We're talking about a new marketplace for people who don't have coverage or can't afford the coverage that's offered to them and they'll have some choices, private plans, public plans, side by side. Let's
11: say I'm uh, I'm Viacom. How do I look? (laughs) Okay. Uh, and, you, and you propose a public option. I assume it will right. be less money than the private option.
2: Not necessarily. Uh, hopefully the overhead costs will be less. About 30 cents of every dollar is spent on overhead costs. And right. government plans tend to be uh, less costly as Cheaper, overhead. Right. Yep. So same if I'm, benefits, if I'm same.
11: Viacom, I'm going to buy the government plan to save whatever money I can save. But the, the current program I have, let's say I like that, will I have the choice or will they have the choice? Will the employer have the choice
2: or the employee? Well, right now, if employer-based coverage is in place, uh, you won't be able to get into the marketplace. The marketplace is really for, to fill that gap and to make sure that we So the employer can't keep...
11: switch. VICOM could not switch to the that's, public option. That's
2: correct, unless they how... can't afford the coverage uh, that they have right now. And, and couldn't they say, I can't co- afford it? Well, employers are shedding coverage every day. Uh, about 12,000 Americans a day are losing their health coverage because a lot of, particularly small employers, just can't afford it on the Bottom line, we got to bring costs down. We, we spend twice as much as any country on earth, and we live and sicker twice as healthy, uh, live sicker, and die younger than any developed nation. So, we are not getting our money's worth out of the health system.
11: If it ends up being paid for through a surtax on the wealthy, and I am wealthy,
2: <laughs> thank you so much.
11: Can I then stop poor people from smoking and eating ice cream? <laughs>
2: I hope so. Like,
11: if I see them on the subway, could I say to them, like, hey, dude, you're costing me money.
2: But we like everybody to stop smoking or never start in the first place. It, it would save an enormous amount on health care costs. About 75% of our costs are chronic conditions, and one of those huge causes is smoking or smoking-related
11: so I thought, I, I, I illnesses. I thought it would be the opposite. <laughs> Only because, and, and I, I, I know because I smoked, and I thought that... Uh, Killing us off would save money in the long run, <laughs> because if we if we go down at like 60, that's 20 years. You don't have to worry about paying for our. You're like, not amused. You're not amused by any of this. <laughs> my, my favorite part about this whole
3: thing is I'm, I'm literally trying to old. figure out.
11: Well, I'm not, I can't <laughs> get my angle on you <laughs> until just now. All right. We're going to come back and we're going to talk more about uh, why this needs to be fixed now, why uh, what you guys are, are, are doing, and how confusing uh, the whole thing truly is. It's like a thousand-page bill, apparently. That's right. Okay. We'll come back and talk <laughs> more with the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen
3: Spill. hands and face
1: Cut out for us, boys. We have got to figure out a way to convince
5: the American people that health care is a bad thing. Mm. Come on, think. Mm. Think. Who's our target market?
6: Oh. I got it. I got a wild card. Why don't we just say it like it's a bad thing? So instead of health care for everybody, it's health care for everybody.
5: The problem with the Obama approach is health care for everybody. I like the way you think. <laughs> a Nice one, bro-ham. <laughs>
6: oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. How can we make Americans not want to be healthy? Let's scare them. Let's let's just make something up. Let's just tell them the government, I don't know, is going to take away their choices.
3: Control their lives. Control their deaths.
5: Not only could a government board deny your choice in doctors, but it can control
8: life and death for some patients.
5: We need to make Americans fear health. They've got to be afraid of health care. What do we call it? Death care. No, that's not scary enough. What's scarier than death?
3: Socialism. That's it.
5: Yes, we'll call it socialism like a path to socialism. There has to be something scarier than path. This literally is a fast march towards socialism. Let's just say this is America, and in America, we have the best healthcare system in the world, end of story, who's with me? Unfortunately, our healthcare system is ranked 37 by the World Health Organization.
3: No problem, we're 37 and
6: we have the best healthcare system.
5: America has the highest quality of health care this planet has ever known. The WHO does rank our healthcare system 37th best in the world. I wish we were ranked a whole lot lower. These are some good ideas. I'm already starting to get scared, but we need a home run. We need something that is going to make people afraid of health care. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we just say, like, who cares about sick people? Right? I mean, either they're old or they're sick or they're like some sick kid with cancer he could be on to something no
6: no because people have this soft spot for kids especially Mm. kids with cancer right right you know who they don't have a soft spot for who Fat people. Right.
8: Oh my God!
5: I hate
3: right. fat people. Oh, I hate fat people in their Oreo eating wigs. Oh.
8: <laughs> Me
2: too.
3: You know what you do? We'll tell them the government's gonna take away their money and use it to pay for fat people's Oreos.
5: Hey, fatty, fat, fatso, you want to eat all, all, you know, all the Oreo cookies and marshmallows you want? Go ahead and do it without health insurance. But I ain't paying for the fireman to come cut a giant, you know, hole on the side of your wall and drag your fat ass to the hospital.
1: We-
3: Nailed
9: it! I have just discovered some girls are bigger than others, some girls are bigger than others, some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls.
3: mother Antony said to Cleopatra as he opened the crater veil oh I said some girls are bigger than others some girls are bigger than others
9: some girls we're talking
11: with Secretary of Health and Human Services, Kathleen Sebelius, uh, they, they have three competing plans. There's one in the House and two in the Senate. That's right. And they are both over 1,000 pages long. And they've just read the cap-and-trade uh, proposals, which are also about 1,000, uh, 1,200. Now I have seen uh, a lot of C-SPAN. Uh, <laughs> Many of these congresspeople don't appear to be, uh, I guess you'd call them readers. Um, How how can they make, you know, these are very complicated uh, bills and issues. How can they digest that in the, uh, you guys want to get it done by August. I'm assuming they're not even going to have, you know, uh, any sort of summer trashy novel reading done by August. Like what? <laughs> can, can they
2: get through it? Well, the good news is they're really working hard. They're at the table. The uh, Health Committee in the Senate had 19 days of hearings. They had 161 different amendments. I mean, they're there day and night. That's going on in Finance Committee in the Senate. And three different House Committees for the first time are drafting a single bill. So a lot of people are going to know a lot more about health care, which is a good thing at the end of the day. And I think they're committed to making a change. We can't Continue to do what we're doing. There's a huge cost of doing nothing.
11: Well, that, maybe that's the thing that's it's hard to understand because right. why not? Is there a simple way to do it? Okay, 47 million uninsured Americans. Why not just expand uh, Medicaid? Why not just say, okay, we're just going to expand that and not worry about? And one person very excited about that <laughs> because that you know I, I I do I feel badly for the small businesses that have to shoulder uh, the cost because isn't this this will be a mandatory uh... insurance program no
2: well there the bill in the house and and in the senate talks about uh... employers making a contribution either providing coverage or paying uh... into a system for their employees uh... who don't have coverage uh... individuals having to buy insurance and the government playing a role. So all of us have kind of a shared responsibility but what we can't sustain is these costs. We're now at 16% of our GDP. It continues to rise. But
11: does this, is it, will this address the cost issue? Because it seems like there's two issues. There's the cost issue and then there's the moral issue. The yeah. moral issue is right. how can you have 50 million people who don't have health insurance? Totally or, unacceptable. Because it seems like it's a three-tiered system. The one tier is people with money can go to the doctors they want. They can get the insurance they want. People without money can find their way to the emergency room. They get a low level of care, but they get care. Tier two, the middle, the middle class, doesn't get the coverage that they need insurance wise, but yet can't walk in and take advantage of the programs uh, that are offered. How, how How does this help them?
2: Well, there's a new marketplace. Competition and choice, and that helps everybody. It helps give choices. It helps bring the cost down. But in addition, we got to shift the system from a sickness system to a wellness system. We have to start to invest in prevention and wellness to make American kids healthier. You know, the notion that doing nothing is acceptable has to go off the table. What we have is unsustainable, unconscionable, and unacceptable. We have to change the system. We have to reform what doesn't work. And it's complicated because this is a huge part of our economy. And it's the most personal service any of us will ever get. Healthcare is about you and your kids, your family, your grandma. You know, everybody wants to believe that we get the highest quality care day in and day out. We don't. We don't in this country. Twice as much money as. Well, you know, that's lower interesting because it is.
11: It, we tend to be very sort of. We want to be patriotic even about our health care. we have the best system in the world. Are, you, you're suggesting that it might not be, and we might not be doing the best for ourselves by eating. Let's say, for instance, last night I had fried Cheetos. <laughs> um, you're saying that is going to have to change as well.
2: That You know, the fried Snickers at the fair, probably not so much. You know, have a lettuce sandwich or uh, look in another direction. Get your kids to uh, put down the video games and run around the block a little bit. I mean, there, there's a personal responsibility in all of this. We've got to change right. Well, what
11: good we're luck doing. selling that. Because that, <laughs> I understand the we less cost it, and all apart. that. But the this personal responsibility. Good. You know, I, I've been an American all my life. We like we like
3: Yes. <laughs>
11: <laughs> and things that you taste good. Down every once. Yeah, I, I can bounce that. Uh, I appreciate you, you coming by. I know this is a 60-year a, a project to try and get more people health coverage. There, there couldn't be a, a greater calling uh, for people to do it. I hope that it works out in a, in a sensible and responsible way and, and you guys are able it's to accomplish, accomplish something. That, that, that'd be terrific. Thanks for coming by. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: We're doing nothing at all, My own.
0: Tell you about Dropbox. First of all, I don't have nearly enough time to tell you all the great things that I could about Dropbox. Essentially, it is a magical program that lets you effortlessly, I'm not kidding, effortlessly sync files between your computer and the internet, and from there, do amazing things. You can have files automatically sync with another computer so that they're always matching. It's the easiest way to share any kind of files, large or small, videos, pictures, music, anything you wanna share with your friends, family. Dropbox gets it done, and you will never again have to use a third-party website to send large files to your friends or coworkers. I personally use Dropbox and have found it now to be indispensable. All of this functionality and lots more with your choice of 50 or 100 gigabytes of online storage. Learn more and start your free trial by clicking the link at bestoftheleft.com.
8: Obama has decided that he's going to join the battle. And he says, all right, you want to say uh, that, uh, you know, this is my Waterloo? Bring it up. Okay, well, I like that kind of talk. Clip number nine. Let's see what
4: Obama's got for you now there's some in these this town who are content to perpetuate the status quo or in fact fighting reform on behalf of powerful special interests there you go there are others who recognize the problem but believe uh, or perhaps hope that we can put off the hard work of insurance reform for another day another year and another decade just the other day, one Republican senator said, and I'm quoting him now, if we're able to stop Obama on this, it will be his Waterloo. It will break him. Think about that. This isn't about me. This isn't about politics. This is about a health care system that is breaking America's families, breaking America's businesses, and breaking America's economy. And we can't afford the politics of delay and defeat when it comes to health care. Not this time, not now. There are too many lives and livelihoods at stake. There are too many families who will be crushed if insurance premiums continue to rise three times as fast as wages. There are too many businesses that will be forced to shed workers, scale back benefits, or drop coverage unless we get spiraling health care costs under control.
8: All right. Well, they have now told uh, the Washington Post again uh, that Obama's going to go on the war path, that he's going to bring it. Now, that's the beginning. If that's all he's got, it's okay. But he, I hope he brings more than that, because we're about to go to war here. You've got to bring a stronger man, because here's the critical part yeah it's easy to blame things on the republicans and are you right about that of course but the reality is you don't need the republicans but you do need everybody who's in the democratic caucus now is a democratic president going to be strong enough brave enough politically to call out other democratic senators and say and pull them into his office and do what lyndon johnson used to do and why he got medicare and medicaid passed in the first place stare down a senator put him right there put him in your face and go Are you with me or are you against me? Now, if you're against me, there's going to be consequences. You can't just give carrots. Look, all Bush had was sticks. Never had any carrots. That didn't make any sense. But if all Obama has is carrots and no sticks, that doesn't make any sense either. Now I believe Obama can bring the stick. I believe he can bring the whooping stick, but he's got to bring it now. So it's nice to be vague, but at some point you got to call out those corporatist Democrats and say, you're either on board for this or you have screwed me and I will, for the next three years at least, look to screw you just as hard. Okay? No more playing ball here if you don't help us to get my number one legislative priority through. You kill this for the American people and I'm coming for you. Now that's what he needs to say, not necessarily in public, but certainly in private. Now, we don't have a good indication yet so far on whether he said that or has not said that so we'll keep tabs on this you on your bar, all they say is it's such a waste of time stay clear up, run around he's got some juice he's not afraid to
9: Today's story is called Your Money or Your Health. Everyone wants to cut costs, but what if saving my life is expensive? And it's written by Christopher Bean. At the White House's health care town hall last week, an epilepsy specialist named Oren Davinsky asked a question that haunts proponents of reform. President Obama, if your wife or your daughter became seriously ill and things were not going well, and the plan physicians told you they were doing everything that reasonably could be done, and you sought out opinions from some medical leaders and major centers, and they said there's another option that you should, should pursue, but it was not covered in the plan, would you potentially sacrifice the health of your family for the greater good of insuring millions? Or would you do everything you possibly could, as a father and husband, to get the best health care and outcome for your family? That question, the health care equivalent of asking Michael Dukakis whether he would still oppose the death penalty if his wife were raped and murdered, lays out a disturbing scenario. Fortunately, for the White House, as much as for anyone with a sick spouse or child, it's not very realistic. The logic behind the question is clear enough. It's easy to talk about cost-cutting in macro terms, as much as 30% of healthcare care spending goes to unnecessary treatments. Eliminate those, and we're good. But on an individual level, who defines unnecessary? Who is going to decide not to order the extra test or the extra treatment? When it's your life or your child's at stake, are you really going to turn down a long-shot treatment just because it's too expensive? The answer, of course not. Obama acknowledged as much when he said, You're absolutely right that if it's my family member, it's my wife, if it's my children, if it's my grandmother, I always want them to get the very best care. But there are problems with that hypothetical, say doctors and economists. One is that it's not accurate. It's a political cartoon, says Peter Bach, a pulmonologist and epidemiologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. There is no situation in clinical medicine where I have a patient with life threatening illness and I'm turning around to grab a drug and big government is barring the doors. One ad from Conservatives for Patients' Rights says just that. Nor is a doctor ever sitting there with the patient weighing chances of survival against the cost of a treatment. The doctor has to be an advocate, says Arthur Kaplan, a bioethicist at the University of Pennsylvania. That's their job at the bedside. No public plan is going to change that. What needs to change is the quality of information about tests and treatments. Right now, doctors don't know enough about whether a drug or device will be effective. That's one reason treatment tends to be aggressive. Why risk it, the thinking goes. The problem is, many treatments once thought to be effective are now considered unnecessary spine surgery, knee arthroscopy, high-dose chemotherapy, bone marrow transplants, lung volume reduction surgery, prostate cancer screening, estrogen therapy, the list goes on. Not only are they often unnecessary, they can even be harmful. Everyone wants to live, says Bach, but the data suggests they're not doing things that are making people live. They're just doing things. Upgrading health IT and cost effectiveness analysis would fix that. They would allow doctors across the country to share data about what treatments work and which ones don't. As a result, they'd order fewer unnecessary treatments, and the ones they do order would be more effective. The second fix would be reforming medical malpractice laws. One reason treatment is so aggressive and costs so high is that doctors are afraid of getting sued. Say someone goes to the doctor complaining about chest discomfort. In France, they're sent home to rest, says Bach. In the U.S., they get a cardiac CT, a stress test with thallium, an echocardiogram, then a cardiac catheterization, no matter what it showed. All of that is against evidence. A third necessary change is not an economic shift, but a cultural one. We need to be less freaked out by death. We pour tons of resources into treating people, who won't get better. We know someone with stage 4 lung or pancreatic cancer doesn't have long, but we still treat it aggressively. We have to shift the ethos of how we die, says Kaplan, so everyone doesn't expect full court press in the intensive care unit. Doctors have to make clear to patients that it's okay to go into hospice, thereby foregoing aggressive care, and die peacefully. This already happens in some cases. We romanticize the notion of clinging to your last few days of life, but Kaplan says the finest moments that somebody spends are not last days in ICU. So, back to our scenario. In reality, a doctor wouldn't be deciding whether to order an effective treatment. He'd be using better data to evaluate the realistic effectiveness of a treatment and the odds that it might hurt. He'd be honest about when it's too late. And when deciding between two equally effective treatments, he'd pick the less expensive one. Or, more accurately, the public insurance plan would be deciding which one to cover. And that's where the legitimate debate begins. There will always be marginal cases in which some say a procedure should be covered by a public plan and others say it shouldn't. There will inevitably be news stories about a new cancer drug that pricey plans cover, but the public plan doesn't and there will be cases in which someone on the public plan couldn't get a treatment they needed. this is the rationing cited by critics of the public option but as reform advocates point out there already is rationing it's just rationing by income instead of by efficiency the debate is both healthy and necessary it's just not going to happen in the doctor's office so
3: I'm proposing. Behind
8: Someone who is very clear on this is Bernie
3: Sanders.
8: He was speaking in the Senate, and I just, as I look at him, I think I wish the president had this kind of clarity. From time to time, he'd give you about two sentences in his speech, and you like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad." And he mentioned, look, to be fair, the speech he gave before he went to the All-Star Game, uh, it, he mentioned the public option, and he was very strong about it. Well, he was strong about it. I wouldn't say very strong, but if you want to see very strong, you got to look at Bernie
7: Sanders. Watch this, clip number seven. Let's talk about big government-run plans. Um, I don't want to break, shock anybody here and have people dashing out of the room. But the VA is a socialized health care system, right, Mr. McCain? Socialized medicine—that's what it is. That's not public insurance. It's socialized. not exactly my description, but
3: <laughs>
7: okay and you know the VA has its problems we all know that but by and large I think it's fair to say we go home we talk to our veterans you know what they feel pretty good about the VA they go in there they're treated Uh, the staff usually is 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 dedicated to them they're not out busy raising money uh, charging them money at least in the state of Vermont I gotta tell you people want more VA not less VA All right. that's socialized medicine in the United States of America anybody here want to bring an amendment up to eliminate the VA I would suggest the The chairman accept that amendment. I don't hear too many people. Let's talk about single-payer. Well, in the United States we have a strong single-payer system. It's called Medicare. Medicare has its problems? Sure it does. But if anybody wants to go out and compare the attitude of the people of this country toward Medicare, which does not throw people off for pre-existing conditions, doesn't throw you off of the program because you committed the crime of getting sick the previous year, Contrast it to how people feel about private health insurance, let's have that debate. And I suspect those of us who want to improve Medicare rather than want to improve or support private health insurance will win that debate. The function of what we're doing here is not to support the private health insurance industry. I know this is a shock. The function of what we're trying to do here is to provide the best quality health care to the American people in the most cost-effective way. In 2007, just to make the point, Gallup poll, 2007, 64% of respondents answered that they thought it was, quote, the responsibility of the federal government to make sure all Americans have health care coverage. 2007, AP, Yahoo poll, 65% of respondents said that, quote, the United States should adopt a universal health insurance program in which everyone is covered under a program like Medicare that is run by the governments and financed by taxpayers and the quote I think in every gathering in the United States of America most people think the government should play a strong role in providing healthcare to people except in the United States Senate probably the only institution in America where people think that the private insurance companies should be playing the dominant role so that's all that I wanted to say I don't want to get into the details of this debate but I think it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to continue to defend how wonderful those private insurance companies are and what a great job they're doing. That's not what I hear in Vermont, and that's not what I'm hearing all over America. Should we improve public health? In all respects, of course we can. But I would just conclude by saying uh, our job is not to protect the private health insurance industry. It's to provide quality, cost-effective health care.
8: Look, you know, you might say, hey, Jenk, why'd you bother playing that? Because you say that every single day on the show. But it's just the re, of course, the reason is because Bernie Sanders is relevant as opposed to me, right? It's true I mean, here's a United States Senator, and sometimes I think, like, do I have something wrong? I'm like, I mean, I, I'm saying these things that I think make perfect sense, but why can't they just say that in the Senate? And then you see Bernie Sanders, you go, "Oh, yeah, of course they can say it in the Senate. Why can't they? Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Why don't the Democrats ever say, as Bernie Sanders did there?" Oh, you don't like government-run health care Great, take Medicare away. See how that works out for you? No, no, seriously. Come on, let's have a vote on it. And that's what Bernie Sanders did. He threw down the gauntlet. He's like, he t- took him with a old glove, like they did back in the day in France, so, or so I see in the movies, and slapped him across the face. He said, "Come on, come on let me see you take away Medicare." Oh, you're not going to do that, are you? Because it turns out the government runs that pretty well, and it'd be political suicide to try to take it away, right? Okay, so then why don't you shut the hell up? Okay, that's but that's exactly right. All right, so now some good signs. Uh, David, uh, two top advisors of course, David Axelrod and Rahm Emanuel for Barack Obama, coming out and telling the press, yeah, you know what? Uh, the results are more important than bipartisanship. This is a very important shift. Bipartisanship was a code word for we're going to sell out. We're not going to give you the public option, and we're going to do a deal with the Republicans, who whose entire job is to protect the private health ins- uh, insurance industry, and we're going to call it bipartisan and have it appear rosy and sunny, but not really get it done. That's what bipartisanship code word was. Now the code word for uh, no, we're going to do it the right way and put the public option there is good results. Better results are more important. So now knowing those code words, uh, David Axelrod is easy to decipher. Here he says. Ultimately, this is not about a process. It's about results. He says, uh, We'd like to do it with the votes uh, of members of both parties, but the worst result would be to not get health care reform done. And Rahm Emanuel uh, adds, uh, You know, at the end of the day, the test isn't whether they voted for it, referring to the Republicans. The test is whether the final product represented some of their ideas, and I think it will this is an excellent sign that means the white house is moving towards my way or the highway you don't like the public option that's a sad day for you we're going to put it in and we got sixty votes uh... now another important component of this is what the senate is pointing at, and now what the obama team is uh... reinforcing which is that that senate bill that came out of the health committee basically um, had one hundred and sixty republican amendments in it So they accepted. This is a real number. They accepted 160 Republican amendments, and uh, Dodd went down the list and named uh, the the Republican senators whose amendments got accepted, like Murkowski from Alaska, uh, and the list goes on and on, right? And he said, in the end, we got none of your votes. We did 160 uh, uh, Republican amendments and got zero Republican votes. So he said, look, the bill is bipartisan because we already accepted a lot of what you said. Now, if you choose not to vote for it, that's your problem, not ours. And I think that is exactly right on two levels. One, look, we're going to get this bill passed, and we're not going to look to see how many of you we can beg and plead and control with because you guys are never going to vote for the bill, never, because you're paid by the private health insurance industry and you have no interest in getting this passed. In fact, you want to fight tooth and nail against it. So, and then second part of sad day for you is, look, it's going to be a sad day for you politically. You want to fight this? have at it hoss fight it see how it works out for you and then if people wind up liking the public option and it winds up saving them money and giving them a little peace of mind and security in uh... health care well then you guys are the ones that unanimously voted against it see how that works out for you that's the right politics It's the right policy and i just hope that they can stick with it long enough to carry it across the finish line here because right now the momentum looks good I know some conservative Democrats are trying to delay, uh and and Obama's trying to fight past that delay, saying now's the time and David Axelrod also said time's a wasting, so we can't have this thing drag out. That's another strategy they have to try to kill it, right? Uh they gotta strike now while the iron is hot and well it looks like we have good momentum. So and look with the sixty senators, I'll tell you what, it's gonna be a lot of pressure uh if one or two uh, Democrats or people that are in the Democratic caucus say no i'm going to vote with the republicans on a filibuster of this bill there's going to be a world of pressure on those folks so the politics is lining up right here and i feel pretty good
4: about it
0: Thanks for listening, everybody, and especially thanks to the members who are helping to keep the show going by donating as little as $5 a month to show their support. Today, I specifically wanted to thank Jana S., member number 6, and Aaron C., member number 18, for your support. Thanks so much for being members, and of course, Jana and Aaron, as well as all of the other members, have access to the Best of the Left raw feed That's where I post all of the audio and video clips. Of course, you're not going to get video from us anywhere else. And I post all of those things as I find them. So if you're interested in getting all of the best clips, just like the ones you hear in this show, and are interested in actually seeing the original clips as they were intended from their original television or video source, you can become a member for, as I say, as little as $5 a month. And I will send you all the information to subscribe, the new feed and get the username and password needed to access this extra feed now i just wanted to mention again of course about august 20th keep that date in mind that is when we are all going to collectively run an experiment on itunes of course for essentially the entire lifetime of this show i've been encouraging people to leave reviews in itunes helps uh get us up in the rankings there and more people find the show, which is of course what we all want. Got to get more people this liberal information. But I'm starting to think that over time, and you know, believe me, we have a great set of reviews on iTunes. We've got just about 300 written reviews and we are averaging five stars. So we're doing very well. But my feeling about trying to break through to iTunes it's like we got all 300 of those people writing reviews and we lined them all up and uh, and faced off against the giant wall of iTunes and we're going to try to break through that wall and get their attention. And so we sent people one at a time. Okay, you go try to break through. Damn, he didn't make it. All right. Okay, next, go. And it seems to me, if we do a little bit of collectivism here, and we all go at once, we might actually break through a little bit. So that's what's happening August 20th. If you've already left a review, I love you for it, your job is done here. If you haven't left a review and you felt maybe like you didn't want to be just another uh, bug splat on the wall, being an individual going up and leaving a review and not really making a difference, August 20th is the day for you. Now, finally, I just wanted to mention this other great idea that was had by someone other than me, honestly, and that is to send emails about the show to the contact person of liberal or progressive or straight up Democratic Party groups in your area. That I mean, I'm telling you, there are thousands of these little groups that get together and meet and talk about exactly what we're talking about all over the country, and I'm absolutely convinced that they would love to hear about this show if only someone would tell them about it. They just haven't heard of it, they have no idea it exists, and if they heard about it, they would be jazzed, they would be excited, they would go to their groups and tell all of their members, you've got to check this out. And... I gotta be honest, this is this is like the grassroots motherlode of an idea we've had. And if we can get enough emails to enough of these contacts, it's going to make a huge difference in the number of people listening to the show. And I know, if you like the show, you're concerned about politics, you're interested in this stuff, you want more people to be interested and concerned like you are, and this is the way to pass the message along i'm i'm absolutely convinced of it so go forth be free you're on your own to find these groups in your area if you have any questions feel free to email me talking points about the show i can provide all of that stuff Uh, if, if i got my act together i might post something on the website so there we go that is easily enough for today So stay connected with the show on Twitter and Facebook and by signing up to receive some of our emails. You can support the show by, of course, reviewing the show in iTunes on August 20th and not before. Voting in podcast alley, which starts over every month. And by filling out our listener survey. Links to all these are on the website. You can listen to the show on your smartphone without syncing to your computer by visiting stitcher.com. And you should visit the show notes on our blog to find links to all of the sources and the music used in this episode. So, coming to you from inside the Beltway and border, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast delivered to you every Wednesday and every weekend. Thanks to our members from bestoftheleft.com.
3: Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room The shadow bases the throne Who'll take you out any open door This is not my life It's just a fun fact